Thank you for joining us in this series on prayer. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, prayer is very interesting, and I've been really blessed uh, of studying for not only this one, but the last one, and at least next next time, um, and just kind of getting really baptized again very heavily into prayer. I would like to share with you, this is a kind of a crude illustration, but you'll when you hear it, you'll see why I picked it. Um, many of you know I pastored a church that was a long ways from civilization, <laughs> 100 miles one way from a Walmart. You know you're out there nowhere. There's not a Walmart closer than 100 miles one way. Uh, and the, the people there were uh, loved being where they were, were high in the mountains, 4,400 feet above sea level, in a huge valley that was uh, had two major industries. One was logging and the other was uh, cattle raising. And I learned a lot about logging from the loggers. Uh, it's interesting that in the early days, and we're talking about, I was there in 1960, so you go back way before that, where there were logging camps, and they also had cottages or places to live, and the loggers would live there. They had a school. They had stores that you could, you know, maybe a big store that sold hardware and clothes, and so the loggers didn't have to go anywhere uh, but to buy. And I became good friends with the guy who lived across the street from our church and ended up working with our young people. But he said, Jim, I hate to tell you this, but I only went into the fourth grade because I was big and I had to stop work to work in the logging trade. Uh, so loggers didn't have a lot of education. When they were big enough to earn money, well, then they had to stop school and go to work. Well, there was a logger in our town. He very seldom came to church, but when you're the only church in town, you're everybody's church. <laughs> Where do you go to church? Well, only one choice, so they were stuck you know, with me. Uh, and so this guy's name was Harry. And Harry, I've never met a, a guy that had such great philosophies. And... Um, one day I was out mowing the church lawn and we had the house, the parsonage was there, the church was there, the youth building was there, a lot of lawn. And it's hot, 100 degrees, and I'm out there mowing the lawn. And Harry drove by and he was up on the highway and I was a little lower than he was. And <clears throat> I could see him and he looked terrible. And um, Harry um, had lost the battle with the bottle many times, uh, typical type lager, <clears throat> rough, real rough, but a real soft heart, unbelievable. When you, when you got through the crust, there was a, a guy that was real tender hearted on the inside. And he's, oh, pastor. I said, how are you doing, Harry? So I'm doing awful. I said, well, what's wrong? He said, I feel like a label around a whiskey bottle all around it, but not in it. 
Now that was in the 1960, I heard that and I've never forgot it. And I think when it comes to prayer, most of us are all around it, but not in it. And so I'm hoping the series that we're doing will help you more to get into it uh, and, and, and get it from scripture. I'm gonna say a lot of things, but it's not what I say, it's what the word of God says, it's very important. And so if you're a person that's all around it, not in it, you'll love this message, because we don't go into the deep end, just kind of in the middle, you know, knee deep or whatever. <clears throat> but um, the we already said what we were going to speak on, and that was the three secrets of the sacred place. And each secret is important. And each one of the secrets, you can go deeper, but you can get your feet wet. You can just sit at the edge of the pool and put your feet in and splash around, at least you started. So if you're a starter, this can be a benefit, but if you are a, an old time prayer warrior uh, with, with the prayer scars, uh, you'd be blessed by this too. So we wanna look at these three secrets. It's interesting when they asked Jesus about praying. Uh, now the disciples, were men that prayed. You have to realize they grew up in a synagogue. You know, they were at the synagogue and their special services at a synagogue, basically just for the boys and men. And then they had court classes they had to go to. Uh, like uh, the old days, they had confirmation classes. And I'm gonna tell you, I never went through a confirmation class. And uh, I heard a woman when I was with CEF uh, she had whole lessons on confirmation, which is unique. See, if she doesn't go there, but she did. And I went and listened to her for five nights uh, after work. She taught. And I began to see the benefit of what she was saying about confirmation. Uh, but years before, what I even knew much about confirmation, in that church up in the mountains, uh, you know, the one that was 100 miles from, I won't mention the store. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I decided to have a confirmation class. And that was a Bible church. We don't do that. But anyway, I decided to do it. And it was open to any kid that was beyond the sixth grade. They had to be seventh grade on up. Like, how do we know the Bible's true? And all things like that. We went through all of that confirmation class. And it's interesting, there were like six kids that came out in Sunday afternoon for this class on their own. And I can tell you today, all six of those kids are still walking with the Lord, and many of them are very involved in their church. And others that were at the church, I don't even know where they are, but somehow it gave them a grounding to know, why do you believe what you believe? You know, uh, I need more than just my pastor said so. Uh, but I was the pastor, so you should do what I say. But uh, <clears throat> but I want to see about the secret place because there's three secrets, and they're real keys to your prayer life. Jesus began his earthly ministry with prayer. 
And the last thing he did on the cross was prayed. So his whole life was sandwiched between prayer. He was a man of prayer, and he prayed a lot, prayed a lot. And when the disciples, they understood prayer, but not like what he did. It wasn't ritual prayer. It wasn't prayers that they learned and, and that kind of thing. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with learned prayers, but he prayed from his heart. And the Lord teaches how to pray. And so in that teach me how to pray, Jesus gave three secrets for the prayer life. And though I'd like to share those with you, uh, the three secrets that Jesus mentioned, the first secret is a place. Jesus said, you know, that you go to a place. Now we'll get the second one. First of all, it's not just praying, it's, it's having a place to pray. Um, and it needs to be chosen carefully in a way. It's a place where it'll be uninterrupted. It's a place where, where, where is a place that you can get along with God? And that's, that's it. There's a certain place that I can get along with God. Now, I love getting along with God at night when I go to bed and, and pray. But the problem there is I fall asleep during the prayer. Well, what better way to fall asleep and talking to the Lord, you know, just being in his presence. But you need a place that's comfortable uh, where you can talk with God, that special place. So the first secret is a place. You, you won't have much of a prayer life if you don't have a place where you pray. And then you can always pray, you know, on the hoof and <laughs> driving the car often with uh, uh, Paul works here. And when uh, he takes me for a ride, I really get caught up in my prayer life. <laughs> you know, maybe you're the same way. You, know, you, you get all prayed up in the car. If I'm, I may meet Jesus before I get to... <laughs> the grocery store. Anyway, so having a place that's very, very important. But the second one is extremely important. The second secret is shut the door. And in Matthew 6, 6, but when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, Pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Wonderful, wonderful verse. Now, what, what is the shutting the door? Shutting the door, he's saying, is all the interruptions. If you are, say, well, I know that I need to get back to prayer. Well, let me tell you, you're going to have a battle. If you haven't ever prayed and you're going to pray, you're going to have a battle. In the beginning, the enemy doesn't want to see you, quote unquote, on your knees. And so you'll have interruptions and the interruptions make sense. In fact, you'll have more interruptions when you're going to start praying and get serious about prayer than you did before. You thought, well, hey, I, I'm better off not praying. The phone doesn't ring. People aren't ringing the doorbell. <laughs> you know, the dog, Even the dog behaves. You know, it just It's amazing. Uh, all of the the conflicts that come in when you want to get serious 
uh, on praying. So, you know, Jesus said, the shutting of the door. And what's interesting, if you study the lives of great Christians, you'll find that they knew the second secret. One was uh, the mother of um, John and Charles Wesley, uh, Susanna Wesley. And Susanna Wesley had a number of children. And when she prayed, she sat in the chair, took her apron and put it over her head. Mm -hmm. And when she put the apron over her head, the kids realized they had to be quiet. Mom is talking to God. That was her door. When she put that up, it right away, everybody said, Mom's talking to God. Let's, let's behave. Uh, so, you know, I'm not saying you have to have a fancy room and all of that by yourself, but a place where you'll be undisturbed. Another one was, and I can't, it's an English missionary that was a godly man. Uh, and I'm afraid to say because I may say the wrong person. But he grew up in a home and they just had one big room and they made socks. The whole family made socks. And the dad and mom had an alcove in this one room uh, of this cottage. <clears throat> and when the father was would go to praying, he would go in that room and put the blanket down. And the kids knew to be quiet. <coughs> Excuse me. To be quiet. Because he was talking to God. <coughs> Well, one day when he went, <coughs> I'm sorry, went into that room to pray. As he was praying, and he was praying for a woman in the town that had loose morals. And she happened to walk by the cottage on the outside, and she heard him mention her name. And so she stopped to listen, and he heard this father praying for his soul and for salvation. And she found out somehow that he did that at a certain time every day. And she would go by his outside of the cottage where his prayer deal was and listen to him pray for her. And the town, this town lady became a believer by eavesdropping on the prayer of this godly man. And this man's prayer life had such an effect on his son that when he went to the city and he got a first job in a bank or something had to do with money, um, when the fellows in the bank asked him to go and to be involved in drinking and things like that, he said, I couldn't do it because it would be such an affront to my father's godliness and so against his prayers for me. You know, the, a prayer life that in a home where children see that prayer is important can have a real effect on their lives. And it did in their life. Now, the key here of shutting the door, it's not only shutting out, but it's shutting in. And it's interesting if you look at the scripture about the prayer life, it says, when you go into your room, and when you've shut the door, your father who is in the secret place, he is already there. He doesn't show up when you go in. The father is in the secret place waiting for you. 
And that's such a blessing to know he's there. That I don't have to do anything for him to be there. He is there. God wants me to have a secret place, a place that he dwells and waits for me to come in and to have a talk with him. Um, there was, a, a, I think, a chorus, have a little talk with Jesus and tell him all your troubles, something like that. I can't remember uh, something and by and by. Uh, just think of that. How long has God been waiting in the secret place for you? Where you can go in and just unload, share your heart with him, share your pain with him, share your requests with him. But remember, the second secret is not the place, it's the shut door. To shut out the world and be shut in to the Lord. Now, the third one is much more difficult and I know that it can be misused, but it's still true. It is the third aspect of the secret place. And that is the secret of listening. Um, and I'm gonna give you some guidelines for that. And in, in Psalm 81.7, you may wanna write that Psalm down. God said, I answered you in the secret place of thunder. God has always designed the secret place to be a place where he answers us. God's speaking to us will never violate the word of God. God will never violate what he's already given and written. But I'd like to give you uh, an illustration of God speaking, and there's a number of them, but one is a good one, uh, and it had to do with Paul. Um, Paul and I um, know a Christian leader, and um, I don't know how many months ago or how long it was, where I tried calling him on my own efforts, nothing wrong with calling somebody, but I never got him. And uh, they said he would call me, he never called. And I just let it go. But the Lord had burdened me for this Christian leader and burdened, burdened me with a caution I needed to share with him. Um, and so he was back on my list up here, my noggin. And uh, Paul said, you know, Jim, I really think you ought to call so-and-so. Now, there was nothing wrong with his saying that um, because I agree with him. But somehow, I didn't totally feel right about it. First of all, somebody that you don't know and to give him a caution, and he's a leader. <laughs> Ugh. You know, I'm glad uh, it's not a king because I'd probably get the firing squad. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> so anyway, what was happening is it became a part of a burden that I carried. And one day, God told me to call him, specifically to call him that day and then that moment. And so I stopped what I was doing, and I dialed the phone. Now, when I tried calling before, I got a secretary. And uh, 
secretaries are those who run interference <laughs> for the president. So they don't have to listen to people like me calling on the phone saying, I got a warning for you. you know? Anyway, uh, he answered the phone. And I told him who I was. And he sounded really glad to hear from me. And I was hoping after I talked to him, he'd still be glad to hear from me. Uh, but anyway, I shared with him my conscience and concern for him. Uh, really a great guy with a phenomenal ministry. And I gave him my warning. And he said, Jim, you won't believe this. This morning, my wife pulled me aside and gave me that same warning for my life. See, it was the timing. I didn't know she talked to him that morning. I could have called him four or five days before, but the warning may not have had near the red light flashing as I was agreeing with his wife who didn't call me and say, call my husband quick. <laughs> so see, that's what I'm beginning on. It's the idea of, of, of allowing the Lord to be able to motivate you to do or give you hindrances. Don't do it. It's, what you want to do is right. The timing is not right. That kind of thing. And that's what the secret of listening is. It's, it's all about that. To be sensitive to what God is doing and what God wants you to do. So when we close the door, then we're really able to begin to listen to what the Lord is going to say. But let me tell you this, because there's people that the Lord told me, and I'm going, I'm sorry. I don't know what Lord you're talking about, but God would never tell you to do that. It violates scripture. Uh, you're going to devastate people. You know, the, a lot of people like as an excuse to be able to confront you and, and unload. And so I want to hear. Jesus said, he cried out and says, he who have ears to hear, let him hear. And that's when, I, Lord, I want to be sensitive to your leading. I want to be sensitive to your speaking. I may be reading scripture, and all of a sudden, the, the scripture just pops open like never before. I've read it, but God is speaking to me directly. This verse is what he's speaking to me today directly. And often, I'm gonna need, if I don't need it that moment, I'll probably need it that day. God knows that God is able to speak to you, but so is the enemy. And that's what I want to caution you about because I've I've heard people do all kinds of damage because God told me to. And I'm going, wait a minute, God never would. That's against his character. That's against who he is. There's no way God would tell you to do that. And so the the one of the most important verses and one of the most important truths in the Bible, if you read books on prayer, is hearing. Am I hearing? Am I hearing what God is saying? Am I listening what God is telling me to do? Um, I have um, some notes about this. Um, see, my role, I wrote this down years ago. My role in the secret place is to listen for anything God may want to speak. Realize that I can't tell God what to speak or when to speak, but I can position myself in the secret place so that when he chooses to speak, I am found listening. He doesn't mean he speaks every day and all of that. 
but God does speak. He said, well, how do you know he speaks? Well, look at Psalm 95, 7. Today, if you will hear my voice. Oh, so I guess he's speaking. If you'll hear my voice, what it says. Zechariah uh, 7.13 says, Therefore, it happened that just as he proclaimed that he would not hear. So they called out, I will not listen. God said, when I spoke to you, you didn't listen to me. Therefore, when you speak, I won't listen to you. That's real strong stuff. And the verse that I loved, and it's meant a lot to me down through the years, is John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And so as you read scripture, allow God to speak to you from the word. What does he say? Then how can I do it? You know, and if there's chaos all around you, I mean, God would have to shout in order for you to hear him. And I don't think he shouts. Uh, <clears throat> I, God, um, that's why you want to have a place. You need to shut out all the distractions and be shut in with him. And then as you're reading scripture and as you're praying, then to be open for God to speak to you and direct you in your praying. And how you pray, because sometimes you just don't know how to pray, but you can pray for someone and not know exactly, specifically, what you ought to be praying for. But pray. Uh, I, I, I prayed, and I wasn't the only one, I take no credit for this, because the prayer person in my life is dead, and that was my wife. She was a godly prayer person. Um, you know, honey, can't you, why don't you do something besides praying all the time? <laughs> She's Jim, why don't you ever pray? <laughs> there are doers and prayers, you know, I'm a doer and she was a prayer. And so one of us had to really be in contact all the time. So when she died, I had to become more of a prayer and not just a doer. So it's, it's important because when God leads you, it's amazing um, what happens? Um, I guess I can give you another one. When I was pastoring my third church, I added fasting um, very strongly in my life. And I would fast all day Saturday, and I wouldn't eat till Sunday morning after church. And Saturday, during the week, I would lay the scriptures out before God and pray about them. But Saturdays, I'd put it together. I would write down what God wanted me to share with the congregation. And then often at night, when I fast, I don't sleep that well. Uh, and I would have dreams. It was amazing. And often during those dreams, God would tell me to change something. And I would change it and add it into the message. Sometimes I would get up and do it right there at night because I knew it was the Lord telling me this was to add. It was something going on in someone's life in the church that I had no idea what was happening. And when I would do that and add that, 
they would go out there and they wouldn't say, how did you know to say that? It was just exactly, that's what I needed. I, I came here hoping I would get some, you know, whatever to do. But I remember this one time <clears throat> I uh, led this family to Christ and they were new, really new. They weren't ever church people at all. So they were new to Christianity and everything. And uh, he had a couple uh, roughneck boys, uh, you know, the future football players or something, or bullfighters or something like that, real manly boys. And what they had was a hardworking, muscular character. And uh, they stopped coming to church. And I thought, oh, I wonder if they got offended or something. I didn't know. And uh, I was praying and I felt led to go call at their trailer where they lived. And I got in the car and I started driving. And I'll tell you, the Lord was like right next to me. And he said, don't go there. Don't visit them. So I turned around and went back to the church. I mean, I know uh, there's got to be a reason not to go, and I'm not going to go. And so I just kept praying for them. And one Saturday night, in the middle of the night, I woke up, and God said, tomorrow, and he hadn't been in church for a month, he will be in church with his whole family. And so I stopped praying about it. I just, amen, gave it to the Lord. And uh, I had to teach the adults in his school. So I, it was in the church. So I'm sitting in the church and I could see the door where you came into the church. And I kept waiting for this family. God said, they're going to be there. I kept waiting for them to walk through the door and come to church. They didn't come in. So then I'm sitting on the platform that I taught Sunday school from. <laughs> and we're singing. And I hope they get here before the offering. We could use it, you know. <laughs> anyway, took an offering. They didn't sh show up. You know, the offering's just before the preaching. If it's a big offering, it's a good message. If it's a low offering, it's not so good. You know, you get your money's worth, right? <clears throat> anyway, he didn't come, but I was in the message, and the door opened. And then he came with his family and sat in the back. There was a place they sat in the back row. And I, I said, thank you, Lord, because the Lord told me they're going to be there. He didn't say when, but he said they were going to be there Sunday morning, and they did show up. And so as I was standing at the door, as I went out, the dad said, I bet you're surprised to see me. I said, no, I knew you were going to be here. Said, well, how did you know that? I said, the Lord told me. Last night when I was praying, he said, you would be here. He said, Jim, that's unbelievable. This morning, we were not going to go to church. And we're sitting, in, you know, in our eating breakfast on Sunday morning clothes, <laughs> you know, pajamas or whatever. And the Lord said, go to church to him. And he said, get dressed. We're all going. And they all got dressed real quick, jumped in the car, you know, and drove to church and came in. When I told him, God told him, he almost fainted. He said, he's real, isn't it? This is real, isn't it? I said, yes, it is real. God knew. So, you know, when you have answers to prayer like that, that you have no control over, you, you just prayed about it, and, and you just, there, there was a song that we used to sing, I believe the answer's on the way. Um, the people that work with me are young, and they're looking at me like, what song is that? <laughs> but it's true, I believe, I just count on it. God said it, 
period. That's it. I'm just counting on it. I mean, I know I'm going to heaven. I've never been there. And I'm counting on it, you know? <clears throat> and uh, I'm looking forward. I got a lot of friends up there. I've got more ex-church members up there <laughs> than down here. So many of that ran out of church. I know they're in heaven now. Uh, There's going, it's about time you got here. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just wonderful to have a prayer life. It really is. And remember, when you go to the secret place, the Lord has been waiting in there for you. And as you read the scriptures, it's so amazing how God will make verses you know just jump out. And there's something in that verse that will just grab your heart. And you know that that's special right now. I mean, all scripture is inspired. Uh, but not all scripture is for me. You know, Judas went and hung himself. That was not my life verse. <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's all kinds of things in scripture. But if you're listening to God, and as you become more and more of a mature Christian, you listen. You know his voice. You understand his voice. And there's someone else that would like to speak, too, to get you off base. Uh, but when God speaks, it's it's not a threat. It's just a blessing. You know that God is speaking to your heart. God is telling you, uh, you know, when you're praying and God says, you don't need to pray about that anymore. Then you know what? The answer's coming. It, I don't know when, but it's going to happen. God is going to do it. And that is a blessing. Today, so many families, Christian families, the kids are not following the parents. And we did something in a church that I would encourage other churches to do. But most of the time you don't have Sunday night services, but we had a Sunday night service. And that Sunday night service, and that was in a, a small church that became a large church, was a testimony service. People could give prayer requests because the people came from such long distance. We didn't have a, a prayer. We had a prayer meeting, but basically it would not be attended by a lot of people because some of the people were driving well, you don't know, from, Saint, from from Seattle, clear to our church, which was a long ways away. You know, it would be an hour drive or hour and a half drive to our little nothing church. And I was always shocked. I said, why in the world, you guys? Look at all the churches you're passing, you know, to come to this ugly church. Too. It was ugly. It's ugly church. I said, well, we've sensed the spirit of God here. That's why we drive all this way. So how long it take you? One hour and a half. I said, I, don't, I would never drive an hour and a half to church, especially to hear me. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't do that. But there's a sense of God's presence because of it was a praying church. And so on Saturday night, you were not allowed to give a testimony of answered prayer if it was over a week old, unless you'd gone on vacation. And so, you know, we pushed prayer. People gave prayer requests. And people pray for me. I'm going to ask for a raise or pray for me. I'm going job hunting at a certain place and so on. And they would give their test live testimonies. And you could not be in our Sunday night service and not know that God was real. Because you have all these people giving specific answers to their prayers. That God answered them. They were able to speak to someone at work they wanted to talk to. And it opened up uh, automatically. And kids are not seeing that today. They're not seeing 
the reality. Oh, yes. You, you believe this book. Why? Because I tell you to. What, do I see the reality? Do I see Christianity as relevant? Do I really see that God hears and answers prayer? You know? Tell me. Show me. Um, you know, I am so thankful. And, you know, I wasn't thankful always. But uh, we always pastored real small churches that uh, didn't have a lot of money. In our first church, we had three children, and then my son Richard was born while we were there. We had no medical. Uh, and our salary was $5 less than unemployment, and we qualified for welfare as a full-time pastor. And you asked my wife, Margarita, of all the, we've been with who's who in the zoo kind of churches too. And he's, you ask her, what church of all the ministries that you've been involved in, you know, missions and all of the wonderful, she said, our first church in Aden, the one where Harry drove by and said he felt like a label around a whiskey bottle, all around it, not in it. So if I bump into you or see you, I hope you won't tell me about your prayer life. You're all around it, but not in it. If you want to know God is real and to sense the presence of God, develop a prayer life with scripture. Read the word, pray the word, claim the promises, and you'll be amazed that secret place where God has been waiting for you. Don't keep him waiting. He's there. You go in, you shut the door. You immediately in God's presence. Father, I want to thank you. I know how important this message is. I know, not because I'm saying it, I know it's important in Scripture, and I know, Lord, how important it is that that people will listen, but they'll know your voice. You know, uh, it's amazing how babies will know the voice of a mom or a dad, and they can quiet them down and you can say stuff and they don't respond. A lot of kids don't respond anyway. <laughs> Did you hear me? And they're sitting right in front of you. <laughs> but when it comes to God, yes, God, I want to hear you. I want to follow you. Speak to my heart. Lord, if I'm to call someone, lay it on my heart that this is the time to call, that I'm not just dialing the phone, but Lord, I'm being directed by you into a person's life. And Lord, give me the right words to say as I talk to people that I could encourage them or maybe correct them if necessary. But don't be a corrector, be an encourager. And so Lord, we just commit ourselves to you, to the three wonderful secrets of the secret place. The place, shutting the door, and listening. In Jesus' name, amen.